This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. It's preseason. Take football further with NFL Game Pass. We make plays. We dominate all night long. Catch every rookie debut with live out-of-market preseason games. Welcome to the NFL. See big names in their new homes. Plus, get all the action in 45 minutes or less with condensed game replays. Oh, my goodness. Take football further with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. On the Football Daily Podcast, this is the Euroleagues with Steve Crossman. Hi there, welcome to the Euroleagues on the Football Daily Podcast. And today we are talking about one man and one man only. Uh, But this is essentially almost all just a messy special. And we're going to bring you what I suspect is Lionel Messi's first ever interview with the BBC. He's been speaking to Guillaume Balaguer and Guillaume is going to join us shortly. Uh, Julien Laurent got the first plane out to Paris when Messi began negotiations, but he's with us now. Uh, if, if you thought, I, I, I doubt you did, but if any of you thought at times before I was a bit unbearable, you know, quite loud, you know, shouting a lot, which, which is not really the kind of guy I am. Uh, not arrogant at all, humble, all of that. Uh, wait until to hear me talking about Messi to Paris. So, oh, and don't forget, France still World Cup holders as well, by the way. But it was just, Steve, he's been, more seriously, he's been an incredible last few days. And I still cannot really believe that he's one of us. Messi, Messi, Messi. The Athletics James Horncastle, shut up. The Athletics James Horncastle is with us. Hi, James. Hello, Grossi. Oh, my goodness me. This is going to be insufferable. (laughs) It's going to be a nightmare, James. (laughs) I mean, we've put up with enough years of, of Julian being world champion, which he still is. Mm. He's wearing a T-shirt which says Parisienne. So I'm he surprised he hasn't got his Messi ways. shirt on. This is, this is a disappointment. But didn't they sell the out in time. like 10 seconds? Yeah, because Jules they bought did. them all. <laughs> <laughs> did you get any for your kids? No, the queue oh. was too long. I, could not, I had to come back. The queue was too long. I went to the other shop, the one on the Champs-Élysées, and the queue was even longer than the one at the stadium. So I was like, okay, ne- next time. Yeah, that's what he told his kids. You couldn't be bothered. <laughs> oh, <No> way. <laughs> uh, Christophe Therese with us on the Euroleagues as well. Hi, Christophe. Hello, Steve. I thought I saw you twice, but I'm hearing Julien twice because he's loud, as loud as two, two men nowadays. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, incredible the messy week. But, yeah, definitely with uh, Julien being so loud, he's been... Uh, He's been tweeting us. He's been sending us messages constantly during this week. It's not who I am. It's not who I am. No, it's not who you are. But we get to know you now. Listen, all jokes aside, Jules, just crow about it. This is your time. I mean, Paris Saint-Germain, the club that that you support, have signed Lionel Messi. In that press conference when I was there, when I saw him pitch side afterwards, doing all those interviews, I I promise you I still could not not believe. You know, I played on that. Did I tell you this, the day I played on that pitch at the Parc des Princes? Now that's oh, one for another Jules, night. Come but, on. Sorry, but sorry. What, what's happening no, I'm now? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, more seriously. Again, this is just incredible. And you know, I've said 13 years ago they almost went down. It went down to the last game of the season away at Sochaux, uh, and otherwise they would have been in the second division. And I don't know if the Qataris would have taken over a club in the second division, for example. But 13 years on, 
to have Leo Messi there, maybe the greatest, arguably the greatest player of all time, to have a front three with Neymar and Mbappe, to have this team, to have all those fans outside really welcoming Messi like if he was a god. I mean, you could see on his face, his wife Antonella was filming it all because the 400, 500 ultras maybe who came to the stadium to see him on, on Wednesday, it was just incredible. And and I, I think you you would be right to still pinching yourself saying, is this is this real? Is this really happening? And until he plays, I will only believe it when he's actually stepping on the pitch and with that shirt and playing an official game. Number when 30. will he play, Jules? Mm, is, yeah, good question. Will, will, he all be, will he be ready for this weekend or...? Not this weekend, no. He's trained today with the team uh, for the first time. He did some stuff on his own and also with the rest of the team, a few rondos, not, nothing big. Uh, it would be too short for Saturday against Strasbourg where he will be presented to the crowd with the other signings, all of them together. Uh, and and we think that probably... All of the them end together. Of... <laughs> oh my. I mean, what a list as well. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you just, just talk about the best players at, at the last Euros, the Netherlands captain, the, the Real Madrid captain, and the Barcelona captain, and also Argentina captain, and, and Ashraf Hakimi, technically, the, maybe the best right back in the world right now. It's a pretty good lineup. You're right, James. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Imagine if you don't win the Champions League, though. That would be pathetic. Oh, I wondered when that question will come. <laughs> um, yes, of course, the pressure on Pochettino is huge, and he will have to find the right formula, the right balance, because let's be honest, neither of Neymar, Mbappé and Messi will, will defend and will trail back. So you would need a, a Gini Wijnaldum in, in midfield, for example, to cover and compensate the defensive things that Messi will not do, but that a right winger would should do, for example. So yeah, the pressure is huge. And yeah, of course, you're right. They are amongst the big favourites of, of winning it. The highest press that Messi, uh, Mbappé and Neymar will apply is, I think, to, to Pochettino's job. Basically, it's basically that because you can't, uh, they won't run a lot. I think some of them will, but it's incredible to make a team out of that, of, out of that yeah, selection to get a good team out of that. And what Pochettino was known for, he, he built his team with, yeah, basically, I'm not going to say low profile players, but yeah, just, yeah, good talented players and not stars and th this will be a real test for him I think I love this we're definitely going to bring Jules down by the end of the hour I think we can do it you can't do <laughs> that you can't even claim the league on title that's what I want I feel know. like I'm Santa Claus I feel I'm Santa Claus I feel like, like it's, it's just I'm, I'm way too high for you to bring me down well I'll tell you what the, the biggest gift that's been delivered to BBC Sport in some time was courtesy of our own Guillaume Balagay who has been sitting down with Lionel Messi. And Guillaume has joined us now. From where, Guillaume? I've given up guessing. Paris for another 24 hours, if right. you don't mind. <laughs> you, so the, just to be clear here, um, you took your first week's holiday in the time that I've known you, which is about three and a half years, and Lionel Messi left Barcelona for PSG. The timing of it all, eh? Uh, and yes, I was driving to Edinburgh, to the festival. Ah. And I got about 10 tickets booked already for the first two days and then wait to see what else happened. And on the way to Edinburgh, it was like, oh, right, okay, better do a UE. And uh, started driving to uh, Paris. So the car is somewhere, parked somewhere around here, the hotel. So, so paint the picture for us then, Guillaume, of, of getting messy before we hear from him. Well, it, it became very clear that... Uh, Number one, it was important to be in Paris, uh, to cross paths with some of the people that have made it happen and were in, you know, around Leo, obviously, 
Uh, his dad, uh, who has been a, a crucial figure, uh, has been spoke, speaking to Leonardo for, for ages. I think PSG uh, have tried almost like every couple of months for four years to try to, uh, to get Leo. So it was good to find out the, the details of it. And then uh, once everything started happening and there was a press conference organized, it was a matter for PSG also to know that I was around. Eventually, uh, I, uh, I I realized, I've learned that uh, Messi was going to talk, that he was, wasn't going to have a lot of time. So um, I made a couple of calls. Uh, they, they brought me in. It was a kind of exchange. So I do this uh, and I had to be on PSG TV, the official television, <laughs> more or less, uh, which uh, Jules, I'm sure he's been very often. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, while, while we were waiting for Leo and after the press conference, I was, yes, I made my... 15 minutes of fame in PSG official TV, and then he came over, and uh, and it was just a matter of uh, of painting a mental picture of him entering my living room, <laughs> uh, and sitting him down and relaxing him because uh, it was one of the early uh, interviews because uh, he had some other ones to do and stretch stretch the chat as long as I could. So here it is. Um, it's not all that long because you know Lionel Messi is a man in demand, but this is, to my knowledge. His first ever interview with the BBC. This is Lionel Messi with Guillaume Balaguer. Leo, I need you to help me fill the gaps. Tell us about the big two trips of your life. Starting with the one from Rosario to Buenos Aires that you spent crying mostly, and then Buenos Aires to Barcelona when you got a bit sick and were mostly sleeping. You were 12 at the time. Well, it was a long time ago, I think so. I don't really remember it. Yes, I was a kid. It wasn't easy. I think that I ate a bit and then I ended up sleeping throughout the whole trip. It was your big jump to Europe, the first big trip. How would you compare it to the trip to Paris? Well, it was completely different. We found it hard to sleep, hard to rest. Throughout this time, we've been anxious because of the uncertainty as to what might happen. After what the club had said, we didn't know what we were going to do. Nothing was set in stone. And, well, these nerves and uncertainty of where I'd been starting the season, where we'd be going... The change for my family, to be honest, it was tough until I was able to say my farewells until I could speak and reach the agreement with PSG and start to think about what was to come. The changes ahead on both of an individual level and for my family too and what it would all mean. And well, after that, it was a case of thinking about what was to come. This new era for us and this new experience, which is sure to be a great one for the five of us. So yes, I'm excited for things to get going. Before we get to Paris, did your dad ring you to say that you were unable to stay at Barcelona? Well, yes, my dad came to my house to tell me because he was meeting Laporta in the morning. And when he came back, he told me, ah. and obviously it brought me down. And then I got myself in the frame of mind to tell Antonella then the kids, well, I told her, obviously, we cried, we found it hard to take, and then we thought about how we'd tell the kids, how we'd let them know what would be the best way. Because they had already said in December that they really wanted to stay here at the club, and we knew how hard it would be, especially for Thiago. And well, after everything I've already mentioned, followed. Did it surprise you that your kids 
have accepted the decision much sooner than you imagined. Yes, on many occasions we think too much about these things. Kids just get on with it, accept it in a way we didn't anticipate. I think that Tiago has shown that he's happy and ready for the change. And knowing him well, I know he's suffering a lot like I am. He's suffering without making it uh, known to us. But well, it's nothing serious. He'll definitely adapt as anyone adapts to things. And it'll be a new experience for him and help him grow as a person and keep on developing. And there's no doubt the five of us will be great there. And I'm overjoyed to be at this club. Last question. What did you say to Neymar? I'm coming. Well, with Neymar, when my dad started speaking to Leonardo, he was already aware of it. We started talking about things. I also spoke to Di Maria in Paredes about the possibility of me coming there. And then I was made the offer and I was keen for things to go ahead. And we were constantly in contact, keeping up to speed as to how things were going to see if I was going to come or not. Lionel Messi speaking to the BBC, speaking to Guillaume Balaguer. You can watch that interview with Messi on Football Focus. New presenter Alex Scott taking over. Great way to start this Saturday at midday on BBC One. Guillaume, before we let you go then, and you actually have a holiday or some semblance of a holiday, do you want to do a bit of myth-busting? Because there's always a lot of stories that come out around a transfer and especially a transfer like this. Yeah, I'm reading a lot of stuff uh, in Polish in the, in, the, in the French media especially, but also in the Spanish one. But I'm surprised that uh, it hasn't been checked because some of it is false, starting with the fact that I think uh, it was uh, in the French media that it was foolish that there was a sign-on fee of about 40 million euros. You may be surprised to this, um, but there was no sign-on fee. You know when we say somebody goes on a free, we keep saying now, we add in now, it's not free really, that it's a sign-on fee. There was none in the case of Leo Messi. And of course, Messi could have negotiated that. But uh, it got to a point in which everything else was agreed and they decided to uh, to just go ahead without sign-on fee. Also, I'm hearing that some of the wages may be kind of um, held or sponsored by Qatar World Cup or something like that. There is no agreement at all, zero agreement with Qatar. That's not involved in how the deal with PSG uh, took place. It's not to say, of course, that now they, 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 they agree something in the future, but not nothing to do with the signing of with uh, with PSG and now and this this definitely comes from the from the Catalan media uh, and I think it's been leaked by Barcelona this idea that it was all agreed with PSG for a long time and that's also false yes PSG were prepared I told you earlier they have been knocking the door almost every month for four years they had it all prepared yes but nothing had fully agreed until this week and the, the proof of it is that uh, they still haven't got a house. Uh, the club is helping a lot on trying to find the, the right place for them, for the, for the whole family, but still haven't got a house. So, uh, so yeah, um, some, some qualifying to do, I guess. Guillaume, thank you very much for coming on and uh, well done on, on speaking to, to Lionel Messi and go and have a holiday. <laughs> Promise. Starts now. Starts now. Start from now. Thanks, Guillaume. <laughs> Top man. Speak to you soon. Bye. Uh, Guillaume Balaguet, who's uh, who's still out in Paris. James Horncastle, Christophe Tourer, Julien Laurent all with us on the Euroleague. Do you know, one of the things that jumped out to me there, Jules, is whatever Paredes and Di Maria do in their careers as footballers, they are PSG legends just for having a word in Messi's <laughs> ear. Yeah, you're right. And, and Neymar, I think, who's probably the one of the three who lobbied the most because 
because of the relationship that he has with Leonardo and with the club in general, say like, hey, yeah, let's go, let's get Messi, let's bring Messi in. And I think Paredes and Di Maria, what they said to, to Messi was like, you're going to enjoy the city. There's no doubt. And I think already Leo, already Leo has said, this city is, is fantastic. The way we, they've welcomed us, of course, you still need to find a house, whether you want to live in the city center, like um, like Di Maria does, for example, and you know you you will have a, obviously a lovely, lovely place. Thiago Silva used to have the whole the whole building to him and his family, for example. Or you choose to live a bit more in the suburbs where Neymar lives, with, uh, Marquinhos as well, for example, with far more space. You can have a huge garden with a swimming pool if you want, like the one they had in in, in Barcelona too. So that the school for Very the children. Cool. And all of that. But but I, I do think that Barcelona will always be the home of the Messi family, no doubt. He spent far too many years there, too many great memories. But I really believe that PSG can become the second home. And I think the club will be very happy with that. He will stay two years, three maximum if that year in option is triggered by both parties. And, and they will make those three years for Messi and his family the best years they can. And they will do everything they can to make that special. And I think that if he's happy there, then the rest will, on the pitch will follow. Jules, uh, you remember around, yeah, I think it was the beginning of the year, just around the time that, that they would be playing each other, like Paris and, uh, and, uh, and Barcelona. There were already those stories uh, from Paredes, from Neymar, from the barbecues, from uh, Neymar doing his chatting, but that was earlier after Manchester United game. Mm. At what point did she them know we're not going to get him? Because he says in December, we told the kids we're staying. At that time, you saw that Manchester City started planning different things, like uh, suddenly De Bruyne could get the contract that he wanted, which wasn't possible before they were still in touch uh, with Lionel Messi. Oh, that was what De Bruyne's camp thought. Did PSG at that point have still hope that the Messi family gave them hints, although Lionel himself had already told his kids we're staying in Barcelona? I think it came more in March when Laporta was elected as, as the president, the new president, because of the relationship, which is broken now, by the way, but the one they had from his first hint at the club when Messi started his career there, because I think there was something clearly broken between Messi and, and Bartomeu, the former president, which, which made him want to leave a year ago. But when Laporta came back and Messi had decided already to stay and Laporta said, we're going to make this happen, don't worry, then I think Piaget said, okay, well, let's, let's look in another direction, like City did, exactly like you said. Let's, let's look into a, a different direction. Let's try to bring uh, a right back that we really need badly. Let's try to bring this and so on. They worked on their, on their transfer window in a very different way. And even on Thursday, before it was announced by Barcelona that Messi would not be staying, they were still convinced that he would, he would sign a new deal with Barca and stay there. And it's suddenly when Barcelona announced that with a, with a statement, then Jorge Messi called Nasser Al-Khalaifi and said, hey, we're not staying here. What can you offer us? Can we make this work? And again, I know I've said it before, but in, in August 2017, when Neymar decided to leave Barcelona, his father, Neymar Sr., called Nasser Al-Khalaifi and said, we want to leave Barcelona. Can you, can you pay the release clause? Can you bring us to Paris? And four years on, it was Messi's father. And again, it's his, history repeating itself in a different context because there's no transfer fees, so very different. He was a free agent. But still, Messi's father calling PSG and said, can you, make, can you make us an offer? Can we make this work? And I just found that incredible that 
for Messi, especially the greatest of all time, to, to for it to have come that way in PSG. Can you imagine on Thursday morning when Leonardo and Asel Khalifi Pacino woke up? There was no Messi. Messi was impossible. And yet that evening, talk started. And then in five days, the, the biggest deal in French football history, one of the biggest deals in, in European football history was made. It's just sensational. Steve, maybe you should get your dad to call Nassau Khalifi <laughs> and see what offer he would make you. And you could leave the BBC for PSG. It seems like this is, this is what happens. This is the way to get to PSG. <laughs> Funnily enough, my dad is a lawyer, so <laughs> Let, let's talk about the financial impact here then, Jules, because I remember when, when Ronaldo went to Juve and you know, there's, there's all kinds of different things that come into this and people always talk about shirt sales and they focus very much on shirt sales. There are so many different and much more lucrative things that this will do for Paris Saint-Germain. No, that's right. And I think we, we, we owe to our, to our listeners to kill that myth. Shirt sales, don't, don't, don't pay for your transfer of, Lionel, of anyone, let alone Lionel Messi. You know, you, get, you sell a lot of shirts and often clubs don't actually reveal how many shirts they've sold. On, on a club like PSG, takes 10% of the sell shirt, the rest goes to Nike. So it's not with, with shirt sales that you're going to pay for Messi's arrival. However, what was fascinating is working on the story before it was announced. And that day, someone said to me, you will, you will never guess, but some of the biggest brands in the world are already calling us, calling the club, to, to be part of the adventure, to become a, a commercial partner, to become a sponsor. And Nassel Khalifi said it in his, um, in his press conference yesterday. He said it's been incredible, but to the point that even, you know, Jean-Claude Blanc is the PhD CEO. He's been at Juventus. He's been, you know, he, he's been working with Fiat and with big names, sponsors and big brands and everything. Even he was surprised of the amount of phone calls they got of big brands saying, we want to be part of this. Messi has arrived. We want to be in here. Of current, current uh, sponsor, sponsor partners who are saying, we want to renegotiate. We want to be more involved. We want to do this and we want to do that. And, and, and I think in terms of revenues, it's hard to tell now. But if you think that Messi on his, on his own represented 200 million euros a year of revenues for Barcelona, 30% of what they got, was pretty much on Messi on his own. It's not going to bring that just like this to PSG. However, you know that the PSG revenue are going to explode. You know they're going to have, at the moment, I think they've got 51 commercial partners in four categories. So you've got the, the premium, the ones that pay the most, the, uh, you know, the, the Accor hotels on the, on, the, on the shirt, for example, Nike, of course, and the Jordan brand. Um, and, and you know that they're going to get far more. But if you just think in a way of, you've got three of the biggest brands in the world already, one is Paris as a city. Some would say the best city in the world. I, you know, it's not my place <laughs> to say, but maybe. Messi, because apart from football clubs themselves, he's with Cristiano Ronaldo, the biggest brand in football. And then Jordan, who is obviously the, the kit maker of PSG. And if you just think of those three brands together, this makes maybe the, the most powerful or certainly the biggest attraction if you are a brand to, and want to get involved of anything you have in world football right now. PSG is a bit of a, of a, of a mixture of, of, of brands and, and football. If we can't become the best on the pitch, we can become the best of the pitch. If you see how cool they are, you see it often with youngsters wearing PSG stuff, merchandising. That says something about they, are, they have something cool on them. They want to be cool. Take Jordan. 
then we then we look cool so and and yeah we were texting i think early in the week on financial fair play for instance and i was doing the maths myself uh yeah i come from a family of accountants right uh, i was gonna say what an exciting (laughs) night in at the terreur household that must have been (laughs) you know i do accounting and i i was looking and i said yeah the the Neymar uh, fee is almost off the books after five. Uh, he's, he's four years with the club. Still, he will be going his fifth year. So that risk is gone. Uh, and Mbappe's fee is almost off the books. So they free up some space that was uh, w- which they already had covered w- with their sponsorships before. So they have like uh, they have like like they said there is space to add something. Of course, they have added uh, four other. Big wages and uh, and the transfer fee, but if if you look at it, they will stay into uh, into the between into the to the rules of financial fair play, I think, and otherwise they will find a way around it. But yeah, it's always when this happened, everybody's talking about financial fin- financial fair play, but nobody really knows how it works. That's the impression I have. Nobody knows about accounting and spreading a, a fee over f- over the length of the contract for instance the messi messi uh, let's say if he has 50 million uh, pounds a year that will it will cost uh psg 50 pounds a year in the in the accounts if they had paid a transfer fee that transfer fee would have been split up over two years so it's uh it's the way that that the accounting works and with accounts you can always uh, trick a little bit that's something i've learned to learn to uh, from the family but i tell you what no disrespect to you christoph but we can hear from an actual expert on this uh <laughs> tim bridge is a director in delight sports business group so this is his expert take on the issues that psg will now face when it comes to sticking to ffp rules Clearly, the uh, level of talent that they have on their roster now and the kind of associated wage bill means that balancing the books is is going to be more of a challenge. There's a simple uh, explanation that I hear sometimes that kind of says, oh, Messi will generate hundreds of millions of pounds in shirt sales and that will balance the books. That's not the reality of of how football works. That's not the reality of how the merchandise contracts work. But there is no doubt that having Lionel Messi will have a positive impact as well, as, as, as the president talks about. If you're going to Paris now and you're a football fan, are you more likely to go to Paris Saint-Germain to watch a match? Are you more likely to pay hundreds of euros for that ticket? Probably yes. It will elevate PSG's brand. It will make them more appealing. It will potentially give them the opportunity to move away from maybe some of the Qatar-based sponsorships that they have, and even kind of you know broaden their appeal globally. Okay, so what Christoph said essentially. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. And I'm you an expert. Sure. Thank you. you are an expert, clearly. Um, let's, let's not say. <laughs> let's not get any further into what you've said about your own family's questionable uh, practices. <laughs> yeah. Are they in jail? Are they in jail yet or not? Are they in jail yet? Uh, yeah. they, okay? uh, no. No. <laughs> No, nope. <laughs> we can leave that there. Don't worry. Um, I mean, clearly, Jules are going to have to sell some players. And what's interesting is that um, Leandro Paredes is one of the names that's been mentioned. So having having put the good word in to help sign Lionel Messi, his very yeah. signing might lead to him getting booted out the door. I think he will end up staying because they owe him for that for yeah. that lobby that he did. But and and you know we we, we talk about sporting director a lot, and Leonardo was praised massively uh, for signing Messi and of course and and the others no problem but the real talent of a sporting director is to be able to sell the players that you don't want anymore who are on huge wages and finding a way of getting getting them out of your club 
And I just, I just think this is where Leonardo will be judged eventually. Yeah, it's amazing to have brought Messi, but, but maybe others could have done it too, or maybe they could have done it without him even. Now, find me a club for Kerrer, find me a club for Sarabia, find me a club for Herrera, find me a club for Kozava, and those players that you don't want there who are not good enough to play or certainly not in Pochettino's eyes or, or not in this team right now. And this is where it's challenging. And yes, they need that money. You know, we have the, our own financial fair play in France, which is very strict at the NCG. And they said when they presented the, the, the summer and the account for the year to come, they said we will sell, they said between 180 and 200 million euros of players. Well, that's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. And so far they sold Mitchell Bakker to Leverkusen for 7 million and a few kids there and there, and that's it. So they have still a lot of work to do between now and the end of the transfer window. And I don't know how realistic it is for them to really sell well because those players are on huge wages and I'm not sure who wants them. And there's also the factor that, as with Juventus, everyone wants to train with Ronaldo. Everyone wants mm, to play with Ronaldo. Exactly. And that's going to be exactly the same with Lionel Messi at Paris Saint-Germain. It's very hard to get players out the door when you bring in not just a superstar but arguably the greatest player to play mm. the game. People want to see that on a day-to-day basis, even if it's just training. You have, how many goalkeepers did PSG have at one stage this summer, Jules? Nine, Ten? I think we have. <laughs> Shut yeah, up. Nine. nine. Yeah. You, need, you need many, you need many. You don't know what can happen to a goalkeeper. It's such a special position. This, this is a serious question though, that it's going to be more difficult for PSG to offload some of these players, surely, because the clubs who might be the buying clubs are going to are going to push back at them here because they know they literally have to sell these players so yeah. their negotiating position's terrible really there's that as well and, and also James is right so right Tilo Kerr would rather play 10 games this season but all of them with Messi yeah. and potentially winning the Champions League then go to Leverkusen and play 50 games and have a decent season but but at least he would be able to tell his grandchildren one day hey I played with this guy. I played with the greatest of all time. And it's the same with Cristiano. James is right. And, and I do think that adds another level of difficulty in finding a, a way out for those players. Let's Lots be... of loans with obligation to buy, I think. Yeah, no, the accountant speaking the... again. Yeah, again. You're going to go to jail as well. <laughs> I should call to Nasser maybe to, to help him out. Oh, dear me. Well, I mean, look, that, we can we can all agree on this, though. I'm sure, James, that that Messi going to PSG from a from a competition point of view is terrible for football, right? Well, as Jules will tell you, that Liga is probably the most competitive uh, division, along with the Premier League, in the top five leagues. Because, and I'm I'm not being sarcastic here, they have to get their title back from Lille. You know, there've been three different champions in France since the Qataris have there. How 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 many other divisions in Europe can say that? The likes of Montpellier have won Liga, Monaco have won Liga, Lille have won. This is why they've had to go big, Steve. Mm. This is why they've had to go big this <laughs> summer because that Liga is that competitive. No, just I'm not. I'm not joking. You know, there, there, there is actual credence to to that. I actually look at this PSG team and I see more balance than in the Galacticos realm. I think the first eleven is actually very, very strong, um, and for that reason, I think they absolutely should be candidates to win the Champions League. I know everyone's already anointing them favourites for that, but this is a team that went to a final and a semi-final <laughs> not so long ago, right? So it's a team that hammered Barcelona in the Camp Nou. You know, I look at you know only Chelsea and Man City as, as, as being potential uh, clubs that can stop Paris Saint-Germain from, from winning what the Qataris want in the year, which is most important to them. 10th anniversary to them buying the club 
at the Qatar World Cup. This is, I think, one of the reasons why they've taken advantage of you know, pandemic ball, if you like, in terms of bringing in all these players because they can pay them the wages that super clubs are no longer willing to pay them. And it's such a meaningful year for that project. Jules, they, do they have something in, in France like, uh, yeah, because in in England they're always saying, can you do it at Stoke away? What's the most difficult away <laughs> game for PSG? <laughs> PSG reserves. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Um, Marseille away, I guess. We don't have a place where you've got a lot of wind and a lot of rain and Robert Delab doing long throws. However, we've got tough away games in Marseille, especially, and that's the one and with Jorge Sampaoli being the, the Marseille manager now, having worked, obviously, with Messi as, as his head coach manager, uh, a national team head coach uh, before, it would be a very special game and and the Velodrome would be full because the fans are back now and you can just imagine how incredible that game is going to be. So he will have tough games. I don't know how well he's going to do, if he's going to do extremely well, if he's going to score 50 goals with 50 assists. I don't know how him, Neymar and Mbappe will share one football. But I think there's so much excitement in Paris. And again, I know some people hate the fact that PSG signed him and I can I can understand why. And we've had heated debates already about that. But the excitement in France and everywhere, not just in Paris, of course, but everywhere else, even in Marseille, for, for people who will see Messi play live. And I think... It, Eventually, he only comes down to this. You will have children in France who now are so happy because whenever PSG come to town, they will be able to sit in that stadium for the lucky ones who have a ticket in Lorient, in Strasbourg, in Nice, in Bordeaux, anywhere, and will see Leo Messi play live before he retires. And I just think that that in itself has made this country so so happy and so proud. And And yeah, of course... A lot of people in France hate Paris and there's Paris and the rest of the country and all of that. But this is this is minor now compared to Messi's arrival because he's given a big boost to the whole league. I mean, BT Sport in England are loving the fact that Messi is going to play for PSG. And you can just imagine that people will get subscription for BT to watch Messi, that people will watch the PSG game at the weekends on BT Sport. They also have the Champions League and people will get to see Messi twice in a week live on, on UK television. So it's just, I think it's just incredible for the league and I think it will benefit everyone, but also for all those generation of young players in France who play grassroots level, don't even have to be good at football, but just to have Messi in your country, in your league and watch it in the stadium when, they, when PSG come to you, I think it's phenomenal. Very excited children in Paris and very upset children in London when dad comes home without a messy 30 shirt <laughs> oh my for God. them. They understood, they understood. <laughs> Julian Laurent, the James Horncastle and Christophe Thoreau with us on the Euroleagues. Uh, let's flip it now and just do a little bit on the end for Lionel Messi at Barcelona after 778 games, 672 goals, 266 assists uh, and direct role in 938 goals. Um, you heard him earlier as the voice of Lionel Messi. He is Ernest Massia from Radio Catalunya. Ernest, hello. Hi, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm really good, my friend. Look, you have been the voice of Lionel Messi for me many times over the last 10 years. Maybe that's the last time. Well, it seems that winter is coming, uh, at least for, for Barcelona, <laughs> yes. And a long winter, I bet, um, because the situation here is critical. I think the people, the players, the, the, the staff are quite low level at this point because it's a big loss. It's not just a, a footballistic uh, loss. It's also a, a loss that uh, implies emotional 
and uh, well, self-esteem um, aspects, and it was the main asset of La Liga. So it's it's a loss for everyone, even for Javier Tebas in La Liga. Uh, and difficult to understand how Barcelona uh, took this decision. But yes, of course, they are now having problems in Barcelona to inscribe the pie. Uh, to start La Liga next weekend. So the financial situation is quite critical and is the only explanation for this. Who who do you blame or who is to blame for, for Messi leaving? Because he said he wanted to stay. Is it Bartomeu and his team? Is it Laporta who didn't do everything he could really? Is it is it Messi himself? Is it Messi's father? Is it who who do you think should get the most blame? No, I don't think the Messi's uh, are to blame for sure. Uh, and it's um, it's a mixture of things. First, the, si the financial situation that Bartomeu left was critical, was, yes, a drama. And I don't think Laporta would have let Messi go if the situation had been better. Um, I don't think he wants to or he was able to undergo what he's suffering now. Everywhere he goes, people asking for for uh, asking why, why he has done so. So I don't think any president uh, would like to be the president to... Uh, fire Lionel Messi, um, but uh, then again, then you have the the second the second thing about the CVC uh, contract that La Liga signed today, which which would have allowed Barcelona to uh, perceive around two hundred and fifty million euros, and Barcelona could have increased the level of of uh, of indebtedness in wages. So um, we lack many information. There's a due diligence uh, on on the way. We we have to see how big this debt is. But apparently, Barcelona has only inscribed Emerson, one of the new signings for the beginning of the season. But still, we are still we we don't know whether Memphis Depay will be able to play uh, at the beginning of La Liga next weekend. So uh, the situation is critical. But we still don't know up at uh, up to what point uh, it is. It seems important, but we don't know yet. Next month. I, I wondered why, uh, Ernest, Barcelona are against uh, this CVC deal on the, on the basis that you know, perhaps it, it could be something that would have allowed them to keep Lionel Messi uh, in, in Barcelona and in La Liga. Uh, not only Barcelona, but also Madrid and I bet because they are the most powerful clubs in La Liga and they think that probably an agreement that um, includes 50 years of TV rights, even if it's only 10% of these TV rights, when you don't know uh, what will be the value of La Liga in three years, is probably a risky move for clubs that have another aspiration, which is to perceive a lot of money in the next decades, whether by creating a Super League or not. Um, so they want to have um, their decision The, the right to decide whether they go for this together with the other clubs or they go uh, alone. And by signing this, uh, Laporta and Florentino Perez thought that maybe they would lose independence. Uh, that's one of the reasons. Um, the other one is that in this context, there's a dispute between La Liga and these two clubs because of the Superliga and also between La Liga and the Spanish Federation. So... Um, Everything is a melting pot that I think intervenes in this decision. But uh, again, we need more information because the, the I don't know if Barcelona will go bankrupt. I don't think so. But uh, they, are, they are in the worst financial situation in, in decades. Ernest, just before we let you go then, the, the thing that jumps out to me is you know, Barcelona are one of, if not the biggest clubs in the world. But from an identity point of view, 
Who are Barcelona without Lionel Messi? Well, they are La Masia. Uh, in fact, thanks to Johan Cruyff, uh, the philosophy is there. So Barcelona has to turn their eyes to La Masia, which uh, the club had forgotten recently due to this bad management of the club by Jose Maria Bartomeu, signing uh, mediocre players by big amounts of money or good players, but by uh, immense amounts of money. So I think that Barcelona has to turn their eyes to La Masia, to the young talents, which there are. And, uh, well, um, for the rest, they still have, they retain good players, talent like Griezmann, Dembélé, uh, even Coutinho. Maybe maybe they can take more um, uh, talent out from them. Uh, I think so. When you have Lionel Messi, of course, this talent is hidden but now there's there's no there's no there's no choice for these players to come out and play like they are superstars. Ernest, um, it's always great to have you on, and don't worry, you can be the voice of Sergio Aguero from now on. <laughs> Take care, my friend. <laughs> Ernest Massia from Radio Catalonia, James Horncastle, Julian Aron, Christophe Tura with us. We are going to do a couple of minutes on on Romelu Lukaku, but just to kind of wrap up the Lionel Messi story. Just pick a story each, guys. I mean, it can be about Messi or, or around Lionel Messi, something that jumps out to you from his time at Barcelona. Christophe? Well, I go first because I was uh, at, at the two games that Chelsea played against them, like uh, 2018 Champions League. Antonio Conte is still the manager. Huge disappointment. Courtois and his uh, open legs, uh, they are famous for that. The two goals that uh, Messi scored, like between his legs, between the... Uh, a hole that nobody would see. But the funniest story that is one that Eden Hazard told me, his second son called Leo, yeah, <laughs> maybe named after Lionel Messi. Um, he's a big Messi fan and he was all excited when uh, when uh, when Chelsea played against Barcelona at Stamford Bridge. And at a certain point in the game, as you all know, in stadiums in England, it can sometimes become a little quiet Hazard lost the ball to a, to a Barcelona player and his little son, who looks in his behaviour like his dad, stood up and shouted for all stand, look, daddy wants to play with Messi and Barcelona. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> so the whole family was quite embarrassed. People were looking at, at, at them, like what happens in the stadium, everybody looks around. So... Uh, uh, but Eden was not embarrassed by, by it because yeah, he always says that at their house, when they're watching football, they're watching Messi. For him, there's only one goal. But it's still a funny story that still stays with me, like little son embarrassing his daddy because he plays against Messi. My one is um, is the another game at Stamford Bridge, the, the, the Chelsea-Barcelona game in 2006, February, mm-hmm. uh, where Leo Messi, you remember they played with this bright fluo yellow shirt. Barcelona, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a number 30 that he would be wearing in Paris. He was just only 18. And I heard of him before because, never seen him play, but heard of him because we had a French player, Ludovic Julie, who was playing for Barcelona at the time. And he was saying, like, this kid is going to be amazing. You know, you will see. But that game... And I still can remember where I was sat in the press box at the bridge. And as our listeners know by now, we're very close to the pitch. And Asiel Del Horno, the, the, the Spanish left back, was playing against Messi. And Messi, uh, he got sent off as yeah. well. Messi tore him apart completely. And he was 18. And, and anyone who'd been watching that game in, in Stamford Bridge, but maybe also on TV, you could, you could tell, OK, he's going he's gonna to be so amazing. If he can do this at 18, he's going to be incredible. And it turned out to be exactly that way. Well, there's those apocryphal stories, aren't there, about 
small time teams that could have maybe signed uh, Lionel Messi. Yes. There's one in Italy which is about Como. I mean, <laughs> oh because, my god! Of course. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you want to go and play in Como when you can live on Lake Como, right? So there's yeah, this right? story about 15 year old Messi rocking up for a trial. He was apparently there for two weeks. And the owner of Como at the time, he ran them into the ground and then was ran out of Como. Um, he's now the the owner of Genoa and has you know since claimed that he almost signed Robert Lewandowski as well. Right. Um, but uh, the local kind of paper, uh, they were like, well, we've asked the kit men, we've asked the physios, we've asked the stewards. Did you see Messi when he was there for two weeks? And they were like, Messi? Who? What? No. We have, uh, no recollection of this kid. So the papers then got in touch with Barcelona. They were like, oh, we just wanted to know if uh, Lionel had been, you know, sort of fortnight in Como. I uh, don't know if you remember it around sort of 2001. What you... um, and they were like, that's, uh, that's, there's nothing to that at all. It's a load of rubbish. And, uh, and yet it lives on. Uh, it lives on, you know, the, 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 the time. Imagine what Como could have won the Champions League uh, had Messi been there. So... Uh, you know, sliding doors moment uh, that wasn't true. <laughs> One that actually is true because he's <laughs> he's talked about it himself is um, Alex McLeish when he was Rangers manager had just lost Barry Ferguson and his son was massively into football manager and his son said, Dad, there's this kid and he's going to be amazing and he's called Lionel Messi. So they genuinely called up Barcelona because... McLeish's assistant was Dutch, so he rang Henk Tenkar and was like, any chance on Messi? And he obviously laughed him out of the room. But apparently he did say to him, we've got this other kid called Iniesta. <laughs> so he could have got Adelaide to Rangers. Uh, but it I'm never surprised happened. we haven't had a story of Arsene Wenger saying that he almost signed Messi after almost signing Cristiano and almost signing Zlatan and almost signing half of the uh, best players in the world. Yeah. Guys, it's always a pleasure. Jules, I'm sure you enjoyed yourself there. I love that. We can do it that again tomorrow. We've got plenty to say about no. this. <laughs> I mean, look, there's going to be more soon on it. I think we know that, don't we? Um, always Messi. a pleasure, guys. <laughs> Someone turn Messi. him off. Please turn him off. Turn him off. He's gone. Thank you very much for listening to the EuroLeagues on the Football Daily Podcast. Big thank you to Jules, uh, to Christoph. James uh, and Guillaume of course as always your next episode of the Football Daily is 72 plus Aaron Paul is joined by the Nottingham Forest striker Lyle Taylor Millwall's Jed Wallace Plymouth boss Ryan Lowe uh, they've got a few managers on actually QPR manager Mark Warburton and the new Morecambe boss Stephen Robinson both on the programme too thanks for joining us on the Football Daily Podcast this is the Euroleagues with Steve Crossman BBC Sounds Music Radio Podcasts it's preseason. Take football further with NFL Game Pass. We make plays and we dominate all night long. Catch every rookie debut with live out of market preseason games. Welcome to the NFL. See big names in their new homes. Plus, get all the action in 45 minutes or less with condensed game replays. Oh, my goodness. Take football further with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today.